the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have you gotten the shot? That's the big question right now. We're now separated as Americans by those who have been vaccinated and those who have not. And we have people, beginning with the President of the United States, uh, telling us that if we don't get the vaccine, we're basically killing people. They still talk about the COVID-19 virus. It's amazing to me. They still talk about the, the virus as though it's a death sentence for anybody who contracts it. Talking about keeping kids safe and blah, blah, blah. Safe from what? Anyway, and that's all despite the fact that we have, you know, a year and a half's worth of evidence that shows a 99.7% survival rate. Now, if you're under 80 and you're not fat, you're probably not going to die from COVID-19. you got a better chance of being struck by lightning or, you know, maybe a little bit about the same, I guess. Nothing that has happened in the last six months has given anybody any reason to believe anything different. But they're talking about making kids wear masks when they go back to school next month. And that's all over the country. They're, they're talking about it. And the uh, and there are people out there enthusiastically cheering for vaccine passports for everybody. I saw Geraldo Rivera saying uh, on Twitter today that he thinks there should they should be required and that everybody should have to get one because he has a right not to be infected by you, which he's an idiot. But that's uh, that's what he said. And of course, if you haven't been vaccinated yet, or if you don't plan on getting the shot. You are portrayed as a science denier and maybe even a knuckle dragger. Uh, The Democrats have established themselves as pro-vaccination, but they didn't always feel that way. About eight months ago, both the president and the president in waiting were not all that interested in talking about or getting a vaccine. Listen. So let's just say there is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. you got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation. So they can look and see. So there's consensus. This is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Well, why'd you take it then, uh, Ms. Ma- Madam Wa- President in waiting? <laughs> anyway, something happened with those two to make them have all the confidence in the world in the shot and, and all the enthusiasm in the world for telling you and me that we should get it. Now, the mask mandates are starting to come back. Uh, both the big guy and the president in waiting love masks. Uh, L.A., San Diego, they're putting them back on again. And you can be pretty sure if they could get away with it, those two, Uh, they would declare a national mask mandate, maybe until after the November 2022 elections. Meanwhile, the panic continues. They're not going to back off. It's obvious that they're going to milk this thing for as long as they can. It's also obvious that way too many people are willing to go along with it still after all this. And in our second half hour tonight, we're going to talk to a guy who did a lot of research on what's happened over the last year and a half. And the stupidity and corruption is mind-boggling. And if you read this piece or listen to this guy, uh, John Tierney is his name, you will wonder why you ever trusted them, uh, the, the people in government and the people in the media, for that matter, and why you would ever trust them again when something like this happens. But when we come back after this break, you're going to hear a teenage girl who's got braces and everything. 
sum up the difference between Democrats and Republicans better than it's ever been summed up before, and it only takes her about a minute. And we'll also let you hear Rand Paul call Dr. Fauci a liar from his seat in the U.S. Senate. Stick around. Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you to new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey, and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. And Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You will receive two for one low price plus free shipping. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. That's where you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 83121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Democrats and Republicans are still fighting uh, in Washington, as they always do, and they're still fighting over the same things. Um, As I mentioned in the open, it's the vaccine right now is the big thing, Um, and whether or not you should have it, whether or not we should have uh, vaccine passports, which is ridiculous. Um, But uh, I came across a video on uh, I actually saw it on Twitter, but this, this girl, and I don't know her name, 
but I want you to picture a, a, a young uh, teenage, a teenage girl with braces, blonde hair, uh, and uh, it's just her looking into camera. And I think this is about as good a, of a, um, a summary of the difference between Democrats and Republicans that you'll ever hear. Listen. If you ever wondered what side of the fence you sit on, this is a great test. If a Republican doesn't like guns, they don't buy one. If a Democrat doesn't like guns, they want all guns outlawed. If a Republican is a vegetarian, they don't eat meat. If a Democrat is a vegetarian, they want all meat products banned from everyone. If a Republican is homosexual, they quietly lead on with their life. If a Democrat is homosexual, they demand legislated respect. If a Republican is down and out, he thinks about how to better his situation. A Democrat wonders who's going to take care of him. If a Republican doesn't like a talk show host, he switches channels. Democrats demand that those they don't like to be shut down. If a Republican is a non-believer, they don't go to church. A Democrat non-believer wants any mention of God and religion silenced. If a Republican decides he needs health care, he goes about shopping for it or may choose a job that provides it. A Democrat demands that the rest of us pay for his. Sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? My favorite, uh, well, I like them all, but my favorite is the talk show host one, because that is so true. Uh, Right now, there are people out there trying to uh, get uh, Tucker Carlson off the air, Uh, the main reason being that he has the number one show in cable news, one of the top-rated shows in all of television, and... uh, and he's really going against the grain, and he's questioning the vaccine, and he's doing all kinds of things that the Democrats hate, and they want him off the air. I mean, even people in uh, in Congress have talked about it, about, about he should be, um, he, he's too dangerous, and it's really scary, actually, some of the things they're saying, but, and, and Democrats are quick, not just Democrats, but liberals, and liberals in the media are quick to... Um, Go along with the idea of canceling somebody like Tucker Carlson. But when was the last time you heard a conservative anywhere say that Rachel Maddow should be taken off the air? Um, Or uh, Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer is supposed to be a newsman, but he's not the same thing. But uh, Joe Scarborough. Uh, or or anybody on that show on MSNBC. Do you ever hear anybody saying that they should be taken off the air because they're dangerous because of the things that they're saying? I've never heard, and I'm not exaggerating, I've never heard it once from anybody that those people should be taken off the air. And as this young girl said, uh, conservatives, Republicans, when they when there's someone that they don't like, they don't watch, they, they change the channel or don't listen to. Just, you know, how about... Just not not listening if you don't like it over here, um, and then uh, again the the Democrats they want they demand that because they don't like somebody that person should not be allowed to to say what he's saying and appeal to the people who the Democrats don't like. They, it's 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 really it's stunning um, the difference. But she she hit on it right on it, and uh, I don't know her name. I guess I should, but she was on TikTok and. I uh, just I thought that was really uh, good and, and worth playing. So, and speaking of the differences between the two, um, there's still lots of talk about the audits going on and what's happening in uh, Arizona and Georgia and maybe Pennsylvania auditing the uh, the 2020 election. And of course, the Democrats now are calling. And not, when I say the Democrats, uh, I mean liberals and I mean. Um, the media, because they're all the same, but they are um, anybody who's suggesting that the forget even say even coming out and saying that they think it was uh, uh, wrought with fraud or fraught with fraught with fraud. Um, if, if they think that it was um, uh, crooked and rigged and all those things, that that if if you even suggest that that you're you're some kind of a treasonous criminal and you should be shunned and of course taken off the air if you're saying it on the air and um and if you were questioning the way the votes were counted in 2020 with the voting machines i still think about the 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 videos that i saw and i still haven't anybody explain it to me where i've seen videos of votes being tabulated uh, in real time and uh, 4,000 votes will be 
taken from Donald Trump on right up on the screen, and the exact same number of votes taken from Trump will be put onto Joe Biden's totals. Maybe there's a good explanation for it. I still haven't uh, heard it, and I don't think it's uh, unfair or ridiculous to ask questions about it. Um, and the and the voting machines, uh, the Dominion voting machines in Texas, they they said that. Uh, they weren't going to use them. They, they looked at them. They didn't like them. I don't think they were used anywhere in Canada because they they uh, decided that they were a little bit too uh, risky, too easily manipulated. It would be too easy to, to fix an election with those uh, machines. So the Democrats now are calling uh, Donald Trump an idiot for questioning the election, the results of the election. Of course, they, they didn't say the same thing about Hillary Clinton, who probably this morning when she was having her coffee probably said again that the 2016 election was stolen from her. She's been saying it since uh, the, the election night. Um, but there, if the, the Republicans even just the suggestion that there should be an audit, which you would think the Democrats would be OK with because it would uh, prove their point. If you were that confident in the fact that there was nothing wrong with the election and everything went the way it was supposed to go and there was no corruption, no cheating, uh, and especially if you're the president, would you want to spend your entire time as the president with, uh, with people questioning whether or not you are, are, are a legitimate president, whether or not you actually did win the election? If it's me, I'm out there saying, hey, I won. Let's go. How many audits would you like to have? Start them up. Let's audit everybody. I won this thing, and I'd like to prove it. I, I, the fact that they're not saying that says speaks volumes to me. But meanwhile, uh, so that's what they're saying about anybody questioning the, the voting machines and the, and the way the, the vote was counted uh, in 2020, uh, last November. But uh, that's not what they were saying in 2018. Uh, this video is making the rounds. Now, all the usual suspects are on here. You'll recognize some of the voices, but there are they're all Democrat politicians. Um, uh, some some House uh, members, some senators, and you'll recognize uh, Kamala Harris is on here. You'll recognize some of the people, but they were they were talking in 2018 about the exact same machines that they're ripping the Republicans for questioning right now. Listen to this. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. Our researchers have repeatedly de demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tempering. Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. It is the individual voting machines that some pose, that pose some of the greatest risk. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines. Right. Which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. Forty three percent of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws, including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know I know that hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who before our eyes hacked election machines. Um, those that are not, those that are being used in many states. Aging systems also frequently rely on unsupported software like Windows XP in 2000, which may not receive regular security patches and are thus more vulnerable to the latest methods of cyber attack. In a close presidential election, they just need to hack one swing state, or maybe one or two, or maybe just a few counties in one swing state. I'm very concerned that you could have a hack that finally went through. <laughs> So what if I would have played that all those uh, sound bites there and that uh, all, that compilation of sound bites 
if I had introduced that by saying, listen to what the Republicans are saying about the election. They're just idiots. They can't accept the fact that they lost, and they can't, they're can't. they making these ridiculous claims about the, the system of voting, and they just need to grow up and stop uh, and accept the fact that they lost. Uh, here's the thing, two things. Uh, has anybody, and I maybe they have, but I haven't seen it, has anybody sat, da- sat a Democrat down who's been complaining and, and criticizing anybody uh, who has questioned the 2020 election? Has anybody sat them down and made them watch that video and then say, hey, what do you think of that? Well, come, you guys kind of changed your tune. Things like this pop up all the time. And nobody, uh, nobody uh, ever confronts these people about it and makes them, makes them uh, justify or admit to their hypocrisy. But anyway, that's, uh, that, that, was from, uh, that was from 2018, so they're now completely changing their tune for 2020. And now there's this. Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci went at it again today at, at the, in the uh, United States Senate. Uh, the question about was about whether... Um, the chain of uh, function was at, at the Wuhan lab was funded by the NIH, and uh, this is uh, this is what uh, Dr. Fauci began with. Now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the ve- the, the grant that was funded as a subaward from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2, that's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. If it did I come can, from the lab, but all you, the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally this resent. This committee will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. That those virus caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is the gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That you is can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. No one's saying those viruses the pandemic. Paul, we're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were they're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you admit the truth. And you implying... Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual I totally resent and that. Have and if anybody and is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. Yeah, it's you. And he's a weasel, a Dr. Fauci, and he's starting to get a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit nervous. He's, he's, he's going off on Rand Paul there. He's not looking like the nice, friendly uh, neighborhood family doctor anymore. Um, and the whole thing was about uh, whether or not Fauci has changed his tune. He had said... And he testified under oath that he did he was not involved in funding that stuff at the Wuhan virus, and all all Rand Paul was saying to him is, "Listen, you said you didn't fund it. You funded it. You knew what was going on there." And Paul wanted, or Fauci wanted to turn it into an argument about whether or not the virus that they were working on was able to be transmitted and blah blah blah. That's not what Paul was uh, questioning him on, and and Fauci was trying to. Uh, weasel out of it but so there's the interesting thing now i i I, if you just google fauci paul fauci uh rand paul this is the headlines you see fauci blasts rand paul's wuhan lab funding claim uh that's from nbc fauci and rand paul have terse exchange that's a little bit that's cnn fauci shouts at rand paul about covid that's uh, usa today fauci rips into rand paul that's from deadline.com Fauci. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, uh, that's uh, from The Hill. Uh, Fauci to Rand Paul. This is from Yahoo.com. 
If anybody is lying here, Senator, it's you. Do you get the drift there about who they're siding with just based on the headline? Oh, man, the media are unbelievable. We're going to talk about that a lot uh, after the break, about how bad the media has have handled this entire thing for the last year and a half and how the government and the media together are corrupt and bl- and should be blamed for making things much worse than the virus could have made them. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A White House staffer and an aide to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tested positive for the coronavirus this week. Bernie Bennett reports. Officials said neither individual had close contact with President Biden or Pelosi, but the cases reflect the ongoing threat of the virus to lawmakers, administration officials, and their staff as coronavirus cases spike across the country. Drew Hamill, Deputy Chief of Staff for Pelosi, said a senior spokesperson in the Speaker's office tested positive Monday, days after aides met with Democratic Texas state lawmakers who traveled to Washington, D.C. in a bid to stop the passage of a new state election law. Hamill said the staffer is fully vaccinated and that they have had no contact with Pelosi since testing positive. Bernie Bennett in Washington. And the Commerce Department reporting home construction in the U.S. rose a strong 6.3 percent during June. On Wall Street, stocks remain higher now. The Dow up 595 points in the S&P 71 higher. This is SRN News. Let's be boring and do a commercial about cash-out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash-out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years, while rates have come so far down, we've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker for all licensing information. Go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the Nick Hugh Hewitt Show. Oklahoma Senator Jim Lankford joins me on the day of the big vote on the infrastructure, quote, compromise. I don't think it's going to get closer. I don't think it's going to be close. But I'm not in the Senate. Jim Langford is, and he joins me on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. When it comes to your child's education, do you feel like you have a partner in your current school? Or is it more like you're on your own? As you look ahead to next year, now's a perfect time to consider a quality Christian education with a school who will be a true educational partner for you and your family. Many of our area's finest Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like First Baptist Christian School of Butler. Find a school that's right for you at theanswerpgh.com slash tuitions. Swim trunks and milk. Whether you're on vacation or getting groceries, if you don't make a list, chances are you'll forget something. The same is true in retirement. If you want to make sure you haven't overlooked anything, Roy and Jason Locks at the Synergy Group can help. They have a checklist to help you find out if you're on the right track for retirement. Take the checklist challenge. If you can check all the boxes on the list with confidence, you may be ready for retirement. If not, the Synergy Group can help you address any potential costly mistakes. For the complimentary checklist, visit SynergyGroupInc.com slash checklist. See if you've got it right. Take the checklist challenge today at SynergyGroupInc.com slash checklist. That's SynergyGroupInc.com slash checklist. Firm provides insurance services. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial and J.W. Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group, Inc. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP-Pittsburgh. W223CS-Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. 
Look out for a crash in Moon Township University Boulevard at Rosemont Drive. On the Parkway West, not too bad both directions. A little heavier, though, on the Parkway East, outbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Close to a 10-minute backup. Outbound 28, still busy from Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Sluggish inbound on the Parkway North, 65 to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see clear skies for tonight with a low of 62. Tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy skies. Expect a high tomorrow of 86. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a thunderstorm around late, low 64. Wednesday, a shower in places in the morning, otherwise not as warm. With times of sudden clouds, we'll see a high Wednesday of 78. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, can you feel another lockdown coming? And have you kept a supply of masks handy? I still have one in my glove compartment of my car. Probably in all kinds of germs on it and everything. But, if you know, I never know when they're going to put them back in. There's a lot of talk about the Delta variant. And there are new mask mandates already in some areas. And people are going along with them. For some reason, they still trust their quote-unquote leaders. But why should they? Uh, John Tierney of City Journal and a science columnist for the New York Times has laid out plenty of reasons for never trusting them or the media again on stuff like this. And he joins us now. John, thanks for being on again. appreciate it. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So uh, that's a a, a lot of research and a long piece that people should check out at cityjournal.org. A lot of research. uh, And the headline is The Panic Pandemic. You called it the costliest blunder ever committed by scientists, and the response to it, the worst mistake in the history of the public health profession. That's pretty strong stuff there, John. Well, I think, I mean, I can't think of anything that caused more damage if this thing did leak from a lab in Wuhan. Now, we don't know that. And whatever the origin of it was, the response to it just, you know, I mean, the worldwide um, damage from this is just astonishing. It's unprecedented. The public health profession is supposed to be protecting the public's health, and yet there's still no convincing evidence that lockdowns actually saved lives, and there's a lot of evidence that they ended lives, and that in the long run, they will prove to be be deadlier than the virus itself. Yeah, and I again, I, I encourage everybody to read it at uh, city-journal.org. Uh, because it's there's way too much in there for us to cover in our 15 minutes or so we have here. Um, but if this were a novel that you had written, and it, by the way, I should say, John, it, it almost approaches novel length. But anyway, if this if, <laughs> if, if this were a novel, the hero might be Scott Atlas. Uh, and, and maybe you can remind people who he is, but uh, is he going to get the last laugh? Well, he is, and you know, and a few other scientists, the great, you know, who issued the Great Barrington Declaration, and Ron DeSantis. Um, Scott Atlas was uh, a health policy expert at the Hoover Institution, who early on in the pandemic, you know, calculated that the lockdowns would kill, uh, would cost more years of life than the virus, and he urged. Um, leaders to focus on protecting the elderly in nursing homes because they were the ones who were dying from it, not, and the young people were not at much risk. And so did you know, some other scientists from Harvard, uh, Stanford, and Oxford who issued this great Barrington Declaration calling for focused protection on the elderly and, and then not locking down society with all the, the collateral damage of that. You know, people dying from you know, heart attacks that weren't treated, cancer screenings missed, you know, big increase in drug overdoses and just, you know, you know, 100 million people around the world, more than 100 million, plunged into uh, extreme poverty as a result of these lockdowns. And, of course, children throughout the world basically missing a year of school and a year of just normal childhood being forced to wear these masks, you know, that they didn't need and that only served to, you know, ease the fears of neurotic adults. And fortunately, you know, mostly, you know, most leaders followed Fauci, both in the U.S., you know, and, and he had big influence overseas, too. But Ron DeSantis um, actually took the trouble to, to, you know, look at the data and to consult with Scott Atlas and the great Barrington scientists. And, you know, they told me 
they were amazed that he was the first politician, that they were speaking to a politician that just about every study they mentioned to him, he'd already read it himself and was familiar with the details of it. You know, and he looked at the numbers, he looked at the data, and he just had the perspective to see that the lockdowns were not doing uh, demonstrable good, that they were causing all this damage, and that you should, you know, that you should use focused protection. He really focused on protecting people in nursing homes to stop her from spreading there. And, you know, and he's been proven correct. You know, Fauci predicted disaster for Florida. You know, he was, you know, uh, DeSantis was criticized by Democrats in the state that he was going to kill people, you know, because he, you know, he, he opened up early. He didn't mandate masks. And, you know, I mean, Disneyland was open. Well, I mean, Disney World was open while Disneyland stayed closed. And yet Florida did better than the rest of the country. You know, and, and as I say in, in the article, um, Florida was basically the control group in an experiment testing lockdowns because, they, you know, they were the group that didn't do it. And if the control group didn't do any worse than the treatment group, um, nobody would ever approve a drug or a medical treatment. But here, Florida actually did better than the rest of the country. They, their age-adjusted you know, COVID mortality rate was lower than that of all the 10 other states. Among the you know, 12 biggest states, Florida had the lowest rate. And they also, the most important measure is called excess mortality. How many more deaths than normal did you have? And Florida, again, did better than the rest of the country. They did a lot better than California, the state with the strictest lockdown especially among young people. A lot of young people died in California and elsewhere, not from COVID, but from the effects of the lockdown. Yeah, and uh, all during that time, when Scott Atlas was out there saying that, the media were trashing him. And I remember DeSantis uh, sat down with uh, Scott Atlas and maybe Jay Bhattacharya uh, for, a, for a discussion on YouTube, and it was immediately banned and taken down. Yeah. They weren't even allowed no, to talk was, about it. No, yeah, they took this down. These eminent scientists, you know, some of the world's leading experts on uh, on infectious disease, and, and and YouTube took it down. You know, Google initially shadow banned the Great Barrington Declaration, so that if you Google, you know, looking for it, you know, that spelled out this focused protection strategy. If you Google looking for it, the first page of results wouldn't show you the de uh, the declaration. It only shows you criticism of it. You know, claiming it was the work of COVID deniers and agents of misinformation and a climate denial network. Just, you know, crazy criticism from the left. Um, it was just bizarre the way everybody fell into line that, you know, immediately that, that, that we needed a lockdown, we needed mass mandates, and anyone who deviated from that should be silenced. And this was, you know, it wasn't, you know, the press sort of took that line where they didn't, the mainstream press, you know, caricatured the scientists as being, you know, uh, as being sort of out of line and wacky. Um, scientific journals didn't want to, it wouldn't take articles that, that critiqued the lockdowns. And, you know, and scientists were, you know, were just vicious at criticizing anyone who, who, who dissented from the lockdown narrative. Yeah, and um, you write also that the, the panic was started, as usual, by journalists. Um, is that, how much of that do you think was uh, intentional? And how much of it was just the, you know, just the mindset or the, the attitude that journalists, quote unquote journalists anyway, take uh, toward all news, which is, you know, if it leads, it, if it bleeds, it leads. And uh, right, they, I, they just they, they saw the numbers going up and they the more panic we create, the more people watch. Right. I mean, that is just the instinctive reactions of journalists. I mean, I call it, you know, in this book I published called The Power of Bad. Uh, I call it the crisis crisis, which is that there's always a crisis. Journalists have to find some bad news to scare you. They, and this problem, it's always been around last century. You know, uh, humanity was doomed by the population crisis and the energy crisis and all, and all these other crises. But it's gotten much worse, you know, in this digital era. There's so much round-the-clock competition for, you know, for ratings and clicks. And and so it's gotten worse. And so COVID comes along in the middle of this. And, and, and of course, you know, they were going to seize on it no matter what to scare you, to hype the danger. They, I mean, the same thing happened during the AIDS epidemic where early on there were these warnings, you know, from Fauci, in fact, himself and also from Redfield, who, you know, uh, 
who at that time was a younger researcher, and, and then he led the CDC during COVID, they issued these things that, you know, that AIDS was going to start spreading through the heterosexual population and the children, you know, that turned out to be absolutely wrong. But the press loves to quote anyone who, who um, issues these doomsaying things. I mean, the other factor was, too, that, that, you know, this was a great way to damage Trump's reelection prospects. But, I mean, it wasn't just Trump. I mean, because, you know, this happened in lots of other countries, too. I think there is just, you know, the media just loves to hype any danger and, 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 to, and, and to keep the audience scared. Because that's the way to keep people clicking on your articles. I think it's also, um, and I, for so, as somebody who worked in TV news, local TV news for a long time, it's also um, the media, they like and they understand the value of, uh, making people believe that they um, that that they they have to turn to the media for advice that we are out here to protect you, and the more they can they can um, I don't know take that stance, more they can perpetuate that myth, the more people will tune in. We, let's tune in to see what they're telling us we should do next, and they and they right. that turns into ratings also. Right. I mean, you know, journalists and politicians both like to create a crisis and then right. and then be the ones who who pretend to lead you to safety and uh, or tell you what to do. And you know, and it's terrible once you, you know, uh, you create this climate of fear people about COVID. I mean, now you see it now where people who've been vaccinated are still walking around with masks oh, on and yeah. and the press is desperate desperately trying to keep this thing going with the scare stories about the variants and the, the you know, and and you know, and, and the threats that we're still going to keep schools closed. I mean, there was never a reason to close schools. And it's just absurd that they're even considering that prospect at this point when so many people are vaccinated. And and the people who are at risk are older people, and they've all had a chance to be vaccinated. We're talking to John Tierney of City Journal. He also is a science columnist for The New York Times. Uh, and, John, you uh, point out in the piece that um, this was interesting, too, that, that several credible scientists, uh, and, and it was the first time it had ever happened to them, that they couldn't get their papers published because uh, they were pushing back against the lockdowns and the masks. Play, uh, uh, outlets that normally would publish them right away because of the, their reputation and their credibility were not. They, they couldn't get them. They couldn't get anybody to write it. They couldn't get anybody to publish it. What they were writing, and it was the first time it ever right. happened to them. Right. It was astonishing how much the scientific community just fell into this narrative, and and I think it, it, you know the. Um, one of the scientists, Martin Caldor from Harvard, told me that that um, you know that there's always a certain amount of group thinking, herd thinking in science, but he has never seen it like this. And I think what it is is that anybody who dared to question the official narrative, you know, the one that was being pushed by Democrats and progressives and by Fauci and, and the public health establishment, anyone who said that was just immediately a target online. And you know, there was a Swedish researcher who reported. That now that you know they kept their schools open without masks, without social distancing throughout the pandemic, and not a single child died. The teachers' rate of infection was lower than that of the the rest of the workforce, and so he reported that he got so many threats and so much grief online that he just he was so cowed that, that he said, "I'm not going to discuss COVID anymore. I'm just afraid to do it." And, and that's what I and I heard that over and over from scientists that. You know that that so many of their colleagues thought the lockdowns were a mistake, but they were afraid to speak up because if you did, you were you know branded a Trump apologist. You were branded a you were going to kill people. You were going to um, you were some monster for suggesting something. And lockdowns, you know, they were never a strategy that that had been planned for this. You know, the CDC before the pandemic, you know, years before the pandemic, had assembled experts. They studied it. You know, the, you know all kinds of scenarios. And they and they had various steps they recommended. And they and, and and in the worst case scenario, a pandemic as bad as the Spanish flu of 1918, which of course is far worse than COVID. It was killing young people, children. Um, they recommended in that case, even in that, even in, and with a virus as deadly as that, they did, they recommended against extended school closures. They did not recommend closing businesses. And yet suddenly, you know, last spring. You know, this lockdown became the consensus. It was just this elite panic. Yeah, and I what's surprising to me, John, is that uh, 
It was it, there were you know there were doctors that you were talking about here the ones that were having trouble getting their their stuff published uh, and scientists uh, other scientists that, that that are they were they that stupid and were that ignorant about this virus or were they just caught up in the the uh, the thrill of being able to be have so much power and and you know kind of the the synergy between the the uh, the liberal media and the government both seeing an opportunity. To real boy, we can really take over with this. We can we can tell them anything we want, and they're going to buy it. Right. Well, well, this is a classic feature of what I call the crisis crisis. Is that the journalists want scare stories, and they find experts, you know, who give the scariest predictions. And these experts have their own incentives for doing it because if it's a crisis, then it's more publicity for them, more prestige, more money for them, more funding, and more power. And you know, so and and. Um, it's natural that these experts want to do it, and, and, and our mistake is, the politicians' mistake too, is thinking that we can trust these doomsayers to be giving us uh, an accurate assessment of reality. They have their own biases. You know, I mean, if you study, you know, viruses, if you're an infectious disease specialist, you want this to be. Uh, if this becomes this huge crisis that the government's pouring money into, it's good for your business. Now, I'm not saying that they're purposely dishonest, but, you know, I mean, a lot of them just, but, but you have this narrow focus. And people like Fauci, they were just narrowly focused on, you know, what they cared about was what's that COVID death toll, the COVID case rate at the bottom of the TV screen all the time. That was his job was to keep that down. And they, he was so focused on that that he didn't, you know, he didn't pay attention to the, all the damage that was being done elsewhere. Now, that's a, that violates the principles of public health. You're supposed to take into account the whole population's health, not just, you know, you're not supposed to, to obsess about just one disease. But that's the problem with specialists. But, you know, they're biased by their own special, you know, by their own interests, that it's their field. They want it to be important, so they tend to. And they also are biased because they don't want to be blamed if anything goes wrong. If they give this prediction that, oh, 2 million people could die, um, and that's you know that's a vast overestimate, and that was a prediction that that set off the lockdown. That two million Americans were going to die by the end of the summer last year. Um, um, if you say that, then you've covered yourself. Whereas if you you know, give a more realistic thing, and it turns out to be a little low, then everyone's going to blame you for it. So you basically are covering yourself by doing that. And we just need to take that into account and, and realize that people issuing these worst-case scenarios, you know, have been wrong over and over again in the past, and they were wrong this time, too. And who suffered the most from this panic? i got about a minute left here. When it, when it, when, I mean, we're still in the middle of it now. I, I don't think the panic has been uh, has gone yet by any means, but uh, who, who has suffered the most to this point? You know, the poorest people in America and in the rest of the world, children suffered. They lost all that. And the people that prospered from it, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, would censor anyone who didn't like lockdown. They, you know, they prospered while local businesses suffered. And the laptop class, all these professionals who kept working, you know, the lockdowns made them feel a little safer as they kept working at home. And all these less educated people, all these small business owners, they suffered for it. So, I mean, it really was a terrible act of selfishness on the part of the laptop class. You know, that we're going to cause all this damage to the rest of society, to children, to poor people, you know, just because, you know, just basically to make life a little safer for themselves. And uh, i got to take a break, but it was a, it's a great piece, uh, John, and it's at cityjournal.org. Uh, John Tierney, really appreciate it. You did a lot of work on that, and there's some pretty scary and uh, – uh, I don't know. It's pretty disturbing stuff you have in that piece. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jen. Okay, we'll be right back. of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Dixie and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. <laughs> 
I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I had seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. And Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You will receive two for one low price plus free shipping. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. That's where you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Ah, how about a little sports to close out here? Have you ever heard of Bryce Young? He's a quarterback, uh, plays for uh, Alabama. He's a sophomore. He has never started a game. According to Nick Saban today, he's already raking in, it says here, nearly $1 million. Now, this is because the players are now allowed to get make money on their name, image, and likeness. And he says, you have to understand that everybody has a different amount of opportunity relative to what's going to happen here. Everything in college football, everything in high school football has always been equal for everyone. It's not going to be that way anymore. And this is, they've opened up a can of worms with this. A $1 million this kid has. He's, a, he's going to be a sophomore in college, and he hasn't started a game yet. Why should this kid ever go to class again? He's already got a $1 million. Uh, he's, I don't know what his major is. I don't know anything about the kid, but if it's anything, uh, I mean, there's a good chance because it is college football that he's majoring in something stupid uh, because that's what so many college football players major in. But uh, great, I'm, I hope the kid gets $10 million, but that it's not college football anymore. And it's not about college students. It's about football players. And the... the if the kid makes a million dollars, what's the point in going to class? He can just, uh, if, he, if he really thinks he wants to get a degree, he can pay his own way and go to night school after he finishes playing football. Uh, and, and this is not going to work out well because uh, the kids, uh, there are college kids they're dealing with, and the offensive linemen are going to be wondering why they're getting nothing and the guy they're blocking for is getting a million dollars. It's a can of worms, baby. Just get ready for it. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.